1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. This is actually episode 108. My name is Josh King, and this is the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. I am joined, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Sam Rayner. What's going on, brother?
0: Hey, do you ever think you'll be to the level of the voice, Jonathan Howell?
1: You know, I've dealt with uh, my voice my whole life being called ma'am in the drive-thru. You know, like, uh, is that all ma'am? So, no. no. All the time. All the time. I get that. So, no, I'm never going to be the voice. That's okay. That's all right. We a all have job. our role.
0: I'll give you props, man. You do a good job. <laughs> Better That's than it. me.
1: You're, you're being kind. Our listeners don't hear how many times I start the show and then go, blah, 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 Let's start that over. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we get started, we're going to talk today about uh, pastor's wives, which I think is a huge topic, really big. Um, we're going to do it from our perspective. Our wives are not going to be on the show, but we're going to talk a little bit about our perspective and uh, the weight that they carry, but before we do, I want to tell our listeners about a show that I am uh, just giddy about. Very huge Whoa. fan, yeah, of Living and Effective. Uh, here's oh, the, the podcast. The podcast, yeah. Excellent here's podcast. here's the plug. What happens when the Bible and humanity collide? Not what you'd expect. Living and Effective, a podcast collaboration between Christianity Today and the Christian Standard Bible journeys through history, current events, theology, and the human condition to uncover surprising ways the Bible accomplishes God's plan in the world. And that is exactly what they do. It's well done. It's a uh, master produced. I love it. I cannot talk more highly about this podcast. So.
0: I, and I love the collaboration between the team that is Christianity Today and Christian Standard Bible. Those are two great teams. So, oh man, you're talking um, about you're, you're going to get some high quality um, podcast gold. Um, that's right. When you listen to Living and Effective, so I'd encourage you to go go check them out.
1: Go check it out. So great, uh, one of my favorite podcasts. But. On today's show, on my other favorite podcast, EST. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day, "What does EST mean? Like, what does it stand for?" And I'm like, "It's
0: extra sensory something."
1: uh, Technical? I don't know. Uh,
0: You know, where you can you got like telepathy and stuff.
1: Extra sensory
0: telepathy? I don't know.
1: Mm. No, it doesn't mean that though. Correct us on Twitter of of that, right? It doesn't mean that. It means established. You know, you buy a pair of jeans and, and or anything now, and it says EST. Coffee houses, they'll have it on the wall. EST two thousand seventy seven. Yeah, something like that.
0: Actually, I was established in nineteen eighty. When were you established?
1: Nineteen eighty two. Two best things to come out of nineteen eighty two is myself and Chewy's Mexican restaurant. Mm. Yeah. Chewy's is good. It's fantastic. I love it. It's one of my favorite. And if you ever get a chance to go down to Zilker Park in Austin and go to the original, it is um, worth it. You can really kind of see how all the other ones were knocking and, off the and original. We
0: did, and we did learn in the last episode that you love Austin.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an it's an open secret uh, that I'm a, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of Austin. Although, I will say, for my favorite cities, uh, Fort Worth edges it out. Just barely. Fort Worth is... Really? Yeah. It's one so, of those quirky little towns.
0: So in the Dallas-Fort Worth divide, you're on the Fort Worth side.
1: Yeah, even though I lived in the Dallas County side, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tarrant County and the Fort Worth. The whole thing that is Fort Worth, it's amazing to me. I love that city.
0: I've never spent much time there. I'm usually on the Dallas side. I'll have to go check it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, you'd like it. What's your favorite city?
0: Ooh, uh, to visit?
1: Um, Um, I guess, no, no. Where would your favorite city that you would live in?
0: Oh great! Now put me on this, but Bradenton, of course. Of
1: course, but that, everybody knows that's not true. Everybody um, wants to retire somewhere; they would live there, or something. You know, that's I what love we're Miami.
0: I'm, I'm, yeah, or downtown Tampa.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, I'm a city guy. So, yeah, but but the thing about Bradenton is it's great for our family. So of course.
1: yeah, like Conway. Know, and, I mean, it's amazing. And I
0: love I love Bradenton too. So I don't want to sound like you know I'm hating on my own town, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, the city would have to be in Florida and it have to be a big city for me. So. Mm-hmm. Miami or Tampa is the two that yeah and and Miami's so crazy, um, I just love it, but it wouldn't be a place you know it's it's a tougher place to raise a family, i mean, yeah. I mean you can do it, there's lots of people that do it, there's a lot of kids there and a lot mm-hmm. of good people that obviously raise families there, but it is a little harder in the in the urban area, I guess um
1: what it's I've discovered space. is I'm a big, small-town guy. I like really big towns that feel sort of small. Conway's that way. Fort Worth is that way. Tyler, Texas is that way. It just it has a kind of university, the shopping. Uh, Fort Worth has a skyline. So it's got all of that, but it doesn't feel like just a massive I love, city.
0: I love Chicago, too, but I just couldn't do the winters. I mean, the yeah. winters would be tough. I don't Chicago's, think I like Chicago. Chicago's a great city. If mm. I have to pick something outside of Florida, definitely Chicago.
1: So here's the little jab that we think is kind of funny. Um, Conway leadership, Con- the city of Conway's leadership, really respects and looks towards Franklin, Tennessee. That's uh, what we mo- model a lot of things off of. And we have oh, regularly okay. heard people do what?
0: That's where my dad lives. Franklin's downtown.
1: I, I know. We have regularly heard people come to Conway and say, you know, it does remind me of Franklin because of the uh, geography, the downtown, there's just a lot of little things. Except for Franklin leans towards, you know, your dad's age, that sort of... So we kind of joke <laughs> that Conway, he would, he would, when it grows by, up... By
0: the way, as we're recording this, he's in the other room. And I'm, tempted, <laughs> I'm tempted just to go get him and say, hey, King just called you an old man.
1: <laughs> that is not what I said. I may do of, that after this podcast. Of cast. the great Dr. Rayner. So the, um, yeah, are so... You, are you referring to me or my dad? Both, of course. Okay. All of y'all, all the doctors. All the Dr. Rainers. But when Conway gets old and empty nested, that it, it'll be Franklin. That's um, sort of our – but now that it's cool and young and hip with a major university or a large university, I like it. I like it. So, Anyways, that's our plug. I'm sure we'll get tweeted at about the greatness of Franklin, Tennessee, which is truly great. I love that city. It's,
0: it is a great town. I'll yeah, just, you know,
1: absolutely. The way I said it yesterday was um, – I'd rather live in Conway and visit Franklin. That's because Franklin's so nice, but I don't want to live there. Also, I couldn't afford to live there. It's incredibly expensive, but, uh, you know, that's a different topic.
0: So Yes, it is. Let's talk about our wives.
1: Yeah, in a good way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I always, and for the record, I've never heard Sam say anything uh, disparaging about his wife uh, or wow. Micah. We always talk about our wives in a good way. We love our wives, and that should be our habit. Everybody should talk about their wives in a good way.
0: Yeah, so uh you what you what what you're about to hear on this podcast is anything but bashing our wives. Um uh, right. not that not that you would expect that as a listener.
1: No. Or a but Christian. But it is an
0: important topic because um you you know I I do realize that there are women who are pastors and have uh spouses who are husbands, clearly. Right, um, we understand and, that. And I don't want to, you know, it's that's that's another topic for another podcast. But I would say the vast majority of pastors are male. And have pastor there are pastors' wives, so th- thus thus the topic
1: and f- and furthermore, we just can't speak to that because we don't I'm, know yeah, I'm not a woman
0: a, I'm not a woman pastor who has a a male husband a male husband yeah, so I, I can't really yeah so we'll talk we'll talk about it this is all from our perspective
1: that's right, so pastors wives um here's some of the things that I've heard repeatedly I don't know how many times I've heard a young pastor's wife say something to the effect of I did not want to be a pastor's wife because I do not play the piano. I don't really want to do children's ministry. I don't know how to cook. I'm not very good at being hospitable. Those sort of things. Because yeah. they have a perception of what a pastor's wife is supposed to be.
0: And, and in a lot of a lot of established churches, older churches, uh, yeah, you're going to have that perception. You're still going to have that perception.
1: And maybe some of that expectation. Although I do think it's slightly shifted. I think that a lot of the established churches, even old established churches, if they're, if they're getting a younger pastor, they don't expect so much of the piano and the hospitality, you know, the baking side of things. They do sort of expect very active in the women's ministry, which uh, some pastors' wives just aren't, and that's okay. They don't have to be in that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I want my wife to be a regular church member. Um, you know, I want her to be one of—obviously, I would hope that she'd be one of the better church members, um, and she is. But I don't have any expectations, nor does our church, thankfully, have any expectations on her beyond what you would expect normal a normal church member to have.
1: We hired a new student minister this week, um, yesterday, and I was speaking to his wife. And I, th- there was this situation in which, um, you know, he and she and some other staff members were kind of standing around in the sanctuary before service started. And I said, "All right, let's get out there and you know, socialize, greet people, love people," and um, you know, I was being a little bit boss in that situation, like, all right, scurry, stop talking to each other, go, you know, talk to people. And you could, you could tell she kind of picked up on that. She started to kind of scurry out there too. And I said, oh, hold on a minute. I have no expectations on you other than that you would be, you know, a, a growing, maturing Christian and a believer and somebody that's plugged into our church. So whenever I'm, you know, a little, little snap snap sort of stuff, that's not for you. You know, you can say. I'm going to go over here and do this. But I do kind of think that all believing, maturing Christians would, you know, scurry and socialize and love people before service. So that's a, I think that's a clear distinction that we as established um, church leaders could have on our staff and communicate to our staff wives, but also our wife and protecting them. There are times when I've told Jackie, you know, you don't have to go to that. You could say, I don't want to go to that and not go to that thing. Um, so, there's times that we need to protect them.
0: Yeah, and you know the good thing about my wife is she will ask. You know we have four kids, eight, mm-hmm. six, three, and two, and so sometimes you know we'll have something on a Sunday night. Um, we don't have Sunday night service, but we'll have we'll have something going on. And you know she's already been at six church events that week, and you know we got to get the kids to get ready for you know school the next day. And she's just like, hey, you know, can I bow out of this one this one time? Because you know, the three year old, two year olds didn't get their nap today, and it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, the, and the good thing about Erin is she wants to be involved in everything. So, uh, you know, it's not like I'm having to encourage her to be involved. I'm actually having to say, listen, you know, prob- you don't have to go to this if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a calling. And I do think that um, while, you, know, you you should never—a church should never expect a two-for-one, <laughs> you know, and hey, we're going to mm-hmm. hire this pastor and we're going to get the spouse as well. Um, you, you know, no no church should expect that. I do think the family needs to be called you know, there is there is extra eyeballs, that there's extra pressure in being a, a pastor and a, a, a family of a pastor. So, um, you know, and I don't know what that looks like exactly, and I certainly can't step in everybody's home and tell them what that is for them, but I do think that there needs to be something there where you, you do realize the calling of being the family that is attached to, to a pastor.
1: Oh, yeah, and uh, thankfully Jackie is as well, and I think that this is a harsh reality that I've seen A number of pastors whose wives are completely disengaged from the church, and it's not that they're too busy; it's not that, um, you know, they they just don't want to be. And the reality is that is going to negatively affect the ministry. And I don't know that that's completely always fair. But for instance, I saw a pastor. I know a pastor whose wife attends another church. Ooh, Uh, she just yeah. That's
0: completely unhealthy. Yeah. That yeah, is, that is... and so
1: there's some things in there where, you know, at the it needs to be a healthy balance, but there is a reality that says that in some lines of work, if we're going to refer to this as a work and not just a calling, but that the family affects that they really do. Um, politics is that way, and the ministry is M- that military way. Military is that way, and, and military so... is that way. Yeah. So um, it's something that. I don't know, you know, people are so fuzzy with what they mean by the call, but I totally get what you're saying. There just needs to be a literal, an understanding of how uh, this position affects not only the wife, but the kids as well. And uh, it's just something you kind of sign up for and say, this is what we're doing. And and if you
0: don't, yeah, and the the idea of calling is fuzzy. Yeah. And that that could be a topic for a podcast. Sure. Um, But if you don't recognize the special pressures that come with being in the family of a pastor, you know, it will it will eat you alive. I mean, mm-hmm. they are there; they are real. Um, your wife, uh, your husband, um, your children need to be well aware of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, thankfully, I've got you know I've got a good church, so my kids feel very very little pressure. Um, but they are getting to the age where they know that I am the pastor; I'm the preacher, um, and and you know they they see that and they know that you know if there's a story on a Sunday morning coming from the pastor about. Family, it's going to be them, right? Um, and the, and just that, and I'm very careful about that. You know, I'm, I'm never bashing, right? We've my talked family. about this. Yeah, we have talked about this. Um, but but it is them. They're the ones that are the subject matter, and right. that does come with a little extra pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. So protecting our our wives, our spouses, is something that's important. But also communicating that on the front end, we've advised repeatedly that if you're going into a church for the first time. Uh, in an interview process or whatever the process for that church to pick up that minister, it needs to be communicated that, like you said, this is not a two for one, and she comes with me as my wife, not as uh, the pianist, the children's minister, you know, or the, you know, the women's minister. Uh, so we need to communicate that, and then let that be, you know.
0: And you know, what Aaron does, Aaron my wife, um, and I know Jackie, your wife is she's kind of a platform person. Um, yeah, and very, very good at it. By the way, right. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, your wife's very talented.
1: I'm not either, man. I, I tell people all the time. If she wasn't my wife, I would still think she's phenomenal at what she does. Uh, no,
0: and I can I can vouch for that. So yeah. I definitely think very highly of what your wife does mm-hmm. uh, in her world. But with Aaron, what Aaron does, she she loves music. So she's involved in our choir. Um, she helps lead the the praise team. Um, she was actually our interim when we were in an interim for our contemporary worship. Uh, she she was she was the interim, um, and you know the church loved it because you know she doesn't get paid. I, I kind of have a philosophy that staff spouses really shouldn't be on the payroll. So mm-hmm. um, you know even though she did the interim work, we we didn't pay her, but she, we knew that up front, and she was okay with it. Um, so she's involved in certain areas of the church, very passionate about music and the music ministry and, and women's ministry, and those are the two things she does, mm-hmm. and she doesn't. She's, I mean, she's not as involved in other areas of the church because those are the two areas of of her ministry, um, and I'm I'm grateful for that. And you know, yeah. she's a very faithful church member, and you know, one of our go-to people.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is great. You got to let people, all people, including your children, your spouse, you let them find their niche. Your our job is to hold them to a position where we we say there's an expectation that you're going to serve your church, and you're going to love your church. You're going to be as much as I'm asking all the members to do this, I'm asking you to do this as well. On top of that, I've got this other side that I I want to caution our listeners about that I don't think often gets um, through. It doesn't get often communicated. My uh, we brought up Jackie, my wife's name's Jackie and she is a platform sort of person. So she speaks regularly, she travels, she speaks and and um, all that sort of stuff. She's she just did an event here at our church, which was just huge, and people loved it, and it was it was a great thing. But whenever Jackie has stepped into the lead women's ministry position, I have communicated to her, she's accepted, and I've communicated to my other staff as well. When she steps into this role, she is the women's minister, and she is under and subject to all of the other things that all the ministers are as well so that means there are times where we have to send her a budget request form and she is expected to get that budget done by the time all the other people are supposed to get their budget done. the calendaring has to be done the same way and if she or the women's ministry does not book the event in time and somebody else gets the room they can negotiate that out but I'm not going to step in and say, oh, you're giving it to my wife. My wife, that's in that role with my lead pastor hat on and her women's ministry uh, hat on, she does not get special privileges over other people. And that will derail your church um, and your ministers as much as forcing her into roles will derail your marriage. And so do not let uh, the minister's wife pastor's wife, um, or I suppose the other way around as well, you know, step into roles with authority that they do not have that the church did not give them. And what, I think that that's a very careful agree. thing to pay attention to.
0: Yeah. The second the uh, pastor's wife, pastor's husband, minister's wife, minister's husband starts mm-hmm. getting special privilege, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and other, gr- other groups are getting booted out of rooms because they wanted it at the last minute. It will absolutely dismantle your ministry. And your staff. And, oh, yeah, especially it'll start with the staff, but it'll filter into the church. Right. Yeah, don't do that. The expectations are the same. Um, The leadership obligations are the same. The accountability is the same. Um, The second you start thinking that you are beyond that, whoever you are in the church, whether it be a pastor or a pastor's wife or anybody else, is a very dangerous place to be. Pride can eat you up. Um, yeah. And and Aaron when whenever she, she helps lead the women's ministry. She's not the only one who leads the ministry women's ministry at my church, but she's expected to get those calendar uh facility requests in. Uh she's expected to get the budget in, all of that. Absolutely.
1: Right. And another like protection that you can do that we've practiced is you've got to start thinking of her as sort of as a staff minister or something like that. So people will come to me sometimes and ask questions about the women's ministry because, you know, I go home to the women's minister and they, they're like, so what's the deal with, and I'll go, I have no idea. You need to ask Jackie. Even if I have a slight idea, I always say, I don't know. You need to go ask Jackie or email Jackie or something like that because I want to treat her with the respect that she needs in order to, she, she can answer her own questions. She's got plans. She can deal with things. There's also things where, um, you know, if people, all ministers will get, the occasional bad egg. They'll get somebody that's just kind of griping at them about something. There are times where I have to bite my tongue and let her deal with it and not, you know, run in there with my muscle and my position and say, that's not going to happen. Because I wouldn't do that for the other ministers as well. I would coach the other ministers and say, yeah, you know, they're from a place of hurt or something like that. So we're talking about both sides of here, protecting them, but also letting them lead in what they want to lead, if they want to lead. Sometimes you're at a yeah. stage where they just, you know, if, if you have children and if, and if she feels sort of that calling to be sort of the, I'm going to very simplify this, but be that stay-at-home, work-in-the-house sort of person, great. I mean, and, and you just facilitate that and protect her in that way.
0: Yeah, um, your, your wife especially, you know, has a, a leadership uh, capacity there and some mm-hmm. ability, um, and, and leads well. Uh, my wife is not quite as much as as Jackie in terms of wanting to lead. Um, right. It's a little bit there, but you may have you know if you're if you're a pastor, you may have a spouse that is just like, hey, I'm behind the scenes. I have no desire for a leadership role. I will be a faithful member, um, and I'm going to do all this stuff behind the scenes. But don't put me in a leadership role. You need to honor that too. Not yeah. And then the church. I would hope that the churches would honor that as well, to know that this particular person has a particular calling, mm-hmm. whether or not it's the pastor's spouse or not. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't matter. Uh, the right. expectations, accountability, all that should be the same for everybody in the church.
1: Yeah. And and there have been times where I have tried to protect—so like, like we've talked about with Jackie being in a leadership and a platform type of personality, that's a little bit different. But when I have ministers' wives who are more of the behind-the-scenes type of person, and they're expected to be in the front. Let's say a student minister sometimes. Sometimes the student minister's wife is expected to be this full-blown girls' ministry leader and have all these events and stuff. And a lot of times that stage of life that tend to be hired in the student ministry role, those are very young kids, or maybe they were hired before they had children, and that steps in. And so this wife feels this inordinate amount of stress or pressure or being pulled between being supportive of her husband and what that looks like to other people, and so there are times where I'm protecting her, and I'll just communicate to the person who's communicating to me, you know, she never does this, or she does, and I say, look, you know, you're a doctor, what would you say if the hospital board came to you and said, uh, we expect your wife to lead out on this program, this fundraising program, or you know, something like that. they would, they just kind of chuckle, and I say, that's what you're doing, you're you can't put something on her that's not actually an expectation of her from scripture or from our bylaws or from our person. If that's what you, if that's what your church expects of their staff spouses, then you need to communicate that coming in and you need to put it into policy so that everybody's clear on what's expected and those sort of things. I would also push back and say, then you need to expect your own spouse to do those things as well. But um, that's, you know, we need to be careful on protecting all of the spouses. And I yeah. do the same thing for my female staff and their husbands. I don't put things on their husbands that are not required of them.
0: Yeah, same same thing with us. And one of the things that I often tell staff, and I hope that I do this well, you'd have to talk to them to know whether I do it you know, as good as I should. But mm-hmm. um, I always say family first. So you know, let's say uh, you know we have a we have a female minister on our staff. Uh, she she needs to take her kids to the doctor, or it's got a field trip, or something like that. I try to be very flexible with her um, because it's family first, right? Um, you know, her husband works, and you know he's you know he can't leave work. So I try to give her the flexibility with the hours because family first. We uh, you know, and and a male or female on the staff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have something that is, you know, urgent, if you, if, if you came to me and said, hey, just for the sake of my marriage, I need to take a day, mm-hmm. I need to go do something special for my spouse, I'm always like, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, family first, because when the fam- when families are not, especially in the church, but this is the case for any job, but especially in the church, when the family unit's not healthy, and, you know, you have a staff person whose family unit is not healthy, it really filters into the rest of the body so your first line of defense your first line of ministry is is your family and that's a cliche and everyone said that i mean there's a lot of intertwining too i mean the church is a family your family's part of the church your family's part of the body you know you minister to them both it's a both and thing but you have to put if you're a lead pastor and you have staff allow your staff the ability to put their family first, it will help you so much more in the long run. Yeah, you may give an extra day of vacation one year. You may um, let somebody skip out on something that you know maybe maybe they shouldn't do that. But those are all one offs. When you have those one offs, allow that to happen because um, you're gonna you're gonna create healthier families within your staff, which yeah. is gonna be so so critical for for the health church.
1: And on the reverse side of that, you know, there's two sides to every coin. Make sure that that is not something that's being abused and that you are not abusing that. So yes. uh, we're fortunate enough and blessed that uh, Jackie has not had to work since I've been a lead pastor. And so there are times where there's an appointment scheduled or something like this, and we schedule all my my off day, my day off is Friday. And so we schedule doctor's appointments, those sort of things that may need both of us to go some different directions on Fridays. And just because technically I could get away with me walking out the door here and going and doing something with my kids or or something like that, I don't. And so there are times where I'll go off to – Uh, you know, eat with them at lunch or some program at their school, and I take my lunch break to do that. And I think that the church sometimes abuses that because of the reality, and it is a truth that we need to protect the family first, that can go too far the other way. And so I've had staff whose spouse does not work, and they're like, hey, I need to go pick my kid up from, and I have literally said, what is your husband doing? what is your wife doing? That's, yeah. you know, that's kind of their role right now. And that I've met opposition with that from the staff. And they're like, well, you know, God established the family for it. I, don't theologize, lecture me. <laughs> um, I know what he did. And I also know your spouse can go take care of that. You're at work. You need to yes. work. Yeah, uh, I
0: completely agree. I'm talking about more one-offs than I am. Exactly. The consistent patterns. Yeah. You know, if, the, if there is a pattern of abuse, you absolutely. And, and if and Here's the thing. If a person is using their family as an out for a pattern of abuse, that person probably does not need to be. Terribly
1: there. unhealthy. Yeah, it's
0: extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And and it's, um, you know, there's there's it's probably a symptom of much deeper problems. Right.
1: there. And you need to coach younger staff in this way. And you and I think the bigger point that I'm getting at is you yourself as the EST leader need to be uh, have integrity about this you don't abuse this you don't you know you don't so i take my kids to school every day um and i love doing that because i get to talk to them for a couple of minutes just me and them. Um, uh, but i'm at work on time i i'm here before time because i take my kids but i never pick my kids up from school because that's in the middle of my work day my wife does that so that's a way that i'm helping her and at the same time uh, having the integrity to say no nah, you know i'm going to do what needs to happen there. That's really what I'm pushing for on the same hand, uh, you know, coach your younger staff up in this way because sometimes they feel so pulled and you need to help them understand and communicate to their spouse that yes, your job does require Wednesday nights and sometimes Sunday nights and this full day on Saturday. But you know, keep in mind, all salaried jobs do that. You know, I, I remember speaking as a 16 year old to the grocery store manager. And I asked him something because I was learning life. And I asked him, his name was Mr. Cross. I said, so what are your work hours? And he just laughed and he said, salaried, I work all the time. I work all the time. You know, there's just different times where I need to go and do this and that. And and that's not just church. And sometimes I hear ministers complain, oh, well, you know, we work on Wednesday nights. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I get that. But we're asking people in the church to work all day and then come on Wednesday nights and volunteer and come on Sundays and volunteer and, you know, do upward on Saturday. So it's, you've got to have a balance with that and have a proper perspective of work and theology and what you're hired to do and the commitment you made. So I don't have any qualms about saying that's your job, bro.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And the family has to, to realize that your, your wife, your husband has, has to, to understand that, that. Right. Hey, um, Christmas we t- we talked about this at a previous uh, <laughs> Christmas Eve you're gonna be there unless you like, work because, for Josh because it's your jobby job and you, you know <laughs> I, I get that it's Christmas Eve but guess what you signed up for this job and you're getting paid so you're mm-hmm. gonna be there
1: yeah yeah at West Bradenton at uh second you you <laughs> we get off of some of them and some of them we work and so Um, yeah, and so it just needs to be some consistency thing, but I think if I was the pastor at West Bradenton, or if I was, say, the associate pastor at West Bradenton, then yeah, I signed up for that. I know that that is what...
0: Hey, if you're ever interested in an associate role at at my church, just let me know, because I'd hire you in a second, man.
1: You know the three of us would probably kill each other if we all worked together. Do you think we could work together?
0: I do. I do. I I think (laughs) we're all just
1: such strong leaders, and... uh,
0: Oh, it would never happen. But but could we do it? Could we make it work? I think so.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's more of a statement about you or me. It's uh, it's me. It's
1: me. I think I, I, I think y'all would hate me. Um, so I like y'all as friends. I don't know if I could have you as bosses or 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 what do you call uh staff. Well,
0: if if anyone was gonna be the boss, you know, it'd be Micah.
1: Yeah, we would you just let I, Micah be I'm, the boss. I'm
0: too immature. Um, you're too hipster. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen Micah's
1: haircut? He's way hipster.
0: Yeah, well, Micah's, if anyone's going to wear pleated pants, (laughs) it's going to be Micah. (laughs) Khakis with pleats. It'll be Micah. Let's just be real. Hey,
1: I've got the hoodie on, and I'm over in the corner (laughs) making snide remarks. (laughs) Hey, that's all the time we have for today, and we do love Micah, for the record. But we also want to plug uh, one of our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network co- I don't know what you call these, like co-podcast, other podcasts podcast on the leadership,
0: the network podcast the network
1: podcast so, new churches go. q and a on that show co-host daniel m ed Stetzer and todd atkins which by the way i feel like that order is a little out of order but co-host daniel ed and todd will help you lead your church with practical and immediately applicable solutions in each episode you will hear answers to your questions on church planting multi-site multiplying leadership development and discipleship so if you're a church planter leading in a multi-site church, or an established church pastor wanting to grow and multiply your church, this podcast is for you. Just look up New Churches Q&A on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Uh, we appreciate you listening today. We hope that you and your marriage and your spouse will have a great time in your EST church. Any final thoughts, Sam?
0: Yeah, um, it's Christmas season. so mm, Merry Christmas, my brother. Merry Christmas! It, it, you know, it's December, so now it's okay. You can, you can turn your Christmas music on for those of you um, who are uh, doing the right thing and waiting till December.
1: That's right. Praise the Lord. I think most people have already turned off our podcast at this point because I started on that last plug. You know, they think it's over, so this is like this is bonus material. This is the the animation at the end of the credits. You know, if you stayed through the credits, (laughs) you are getting this. So tweet us if you are listening to us right now. We love you for listening to that extra two minutes. And uh, we'll check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.